Bits has just issued new email authentication recommendations aimed at helping banking institutions improve their abilities to detect and prevent phishing attacks from infecting their employees as well as partners. So what are some of the key takeaways? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with John Carlson and Andrew Kennedy, both of BITS, the Technology Policy Division of the Financial Services Roundtable, who explain how BITS is addressing email authentication protocols. John and Andrew, before we get into some of the details here, could you talk a little bit about what prompted BITS to update the guidelines that it first issued about email authentication back in 2009? Well, good morning, Trace. We would be happy to talk about the BITS email authentication policy and deployment strategy for financial institutions firms. And the reason why we had issued this paper was to help our financial institutions to better leverage several protocols and tools to detect and reduce the number of spoofed email messages that reach consumers and business partners. I think a key component here is that email is a critical communications channel for business today and many of our institutions are dealing with spoofed email messages that oftentimes are the vector for transporting malicious software uh, or for tricking users into thinking it's coming from a legitimate user. So we decided that we, it was important to issue this paper to help our financial institution member companies uh, better leverage these protocols and gain some of the significant benefits uh, from uh, use of these protocols in terms of uh, reducing uh, fraudulent email to customers and prospective customers to uh, reduce phishing attacks against high-value or trusted domains to increase customer and partner confidence and trust in the authenticity of the sender's email and, very importantly, to enhance the brands of institutions in terms of the exposure of customers to phishing attacks that could lead to fraud or malware infection on their computers. Have phishing attack upticks been significant enough to warrant this update? Tracy, this is Andrew. While phishing attacks continue to rise, this update was not really driven by the threat in that space. Really, some of the technology changes in this area have been the bigger drivers. So the publication of domain-based message authentication reporting and conformance, or what's better known as the DMARC protocol, that was published back in January of 2012. We just surpassed the one-year anniversary of the publication of that specification. And also, as an industry, our better understanding the model for success Success, including what, from a statistical side, what we're seeing in terms of protecting our customers, protecting our brands from erosion, from the spoofing and phishing attacks, and as well as helping our uh, marketing and communication teams get a lift on the delivery side. And Tracy, let me add to that. I think one of the reasons why we published the paper was to help our member institutions implement these email security protocols and to deal with the many different parts of the organizations, both internally and externally, including internet service providers and email service providers, because it requires uh, extensive collaboration from many different groups uh, within the company and outside in order to implement these controls. So uh, the uptick in the phishing attacks, uh, which has been a problem for not only our industry, but multiple industries, and I think this tool will be a very helpful uh, resource to, to guide institutions in how to deploy these and uh, some considerations they will invariably need to take into account as they deploy this. 
And then, John and Andrew, what about spearfishing? Has BITS noted exceptional increases here as well? Tracy, spearfishing continues to be an issue. So spearfishing really attacks a specific individual. It's going after someone in particular. These protocols address the fishing issue from a more higher level and looking at the aggregate issue. So focus more on protecting consumers as a very large group. It does help reduce the surface area of attack in terms of some spearfishing attempts, but it, it really looks at kind of the broader spoofing issue in terms of trying to get customers to click on uh, malicious links or open malicious attachments. And then would you say that some of these phishing attacks are actually getting around some of the outdated protocols that are existing? I wouldn't necessarily call the protocols that I think you're referring to uh, sender policy framework or domain keys identified mail. Uh, those are some protocols that are approaching, I think, the 10-year mark for, for their specifications being published. They address a specific issue. So SPF focuses on whitelisting IP addresses for sending mail servers, and it does that very well. DKIM is all about applying signatures to both the header and the body of an email. And again, those are working pretty well. The real thing here is that DMARC knits those two protocols together, and if there's authentication failure for one of those protocols, it helps the receiver understand what to do. In some cases, that means delivering the email. In other cases, it may mean not delivering the email. It gives some options to the sender in terms of how they want their policies to be enacted. I wouldn't really characterize these protocols as outdated. I, I would actually characterize them as working together and DMARC helping them work better and give more policy options for both the sender and the receiver. And Tracy, let me add to that as well. We've always viewed that implementation of the standards, the SPF, the DCAM, as well as the DMARC, are really meant to provide that foundation for building more complete end-to-end -end email security solutions. So they are complementary with each other. Now, the 2009 document does offer recommendations for more up-to-date email sender authentication protocols, which you've noted. What were some of those protocols, and how would you say that they've gone beyond, or how could they be improved upon? As I mentioned, Center Policy Framework is a whitelist for sending mail servers. And Domain Keys Identified Mail finds that the email headers in the body, which can be automatically checked against a public key published in the domain name system or DNS. DMARC is an overlay to SPF and DKIM and helps align these protocols together. DMARC is pretty helpful in a couple of different areas. It helps assert the sender policy to the receiver. As I mentioned, if there was an authentication failure for one of those protocols, it kind of leaves you in the lurch if you don't have a policy uh, in place to deal with that, and DMARC helps close the gap there. DMARC also helps with the wildcarding and the subdomain policies. So you can deploy a policy for all your subdomains with just one line in the DNS. It's very good at kind of a faster deployment and closing a lot of surface area in terms of where mail can be spoofed from. It helps with the non-existent subdomains, so senders can tell receivers that these subdomains don't exist and they shouldn't be accepting any email from them, or if these domains exist, that they should or shouldn't be seen as sending domains. It also helps with the rolling out of the technology. DMARC gives the option to turn on the checking from the, on the receiver side for some percentage of the email that they're receiving. And that way, when they're reporting back what they're doing with that email, it could be done on a small percentage of email so the sender can learn if there's issues along the way 
before it turns it on for all email. It makes it much easier to deploy with assurance that it's working properly. It also solves the solution of SPF and DKIM being seen as different technologies and different protocols. It helps them work together in parallel. And then it also helps ask the receiver to act upon email in different ways in terms of has it authenticated or not, where does that email end up going, does it go in the inbox, does it go in the spam folder, does it not get delivered at all. And then another benefit is on the reporting side where getting this information back from the receiver to the sender, the sender can then see what's happening in terms of the false positive space, whether the authentication is working properly. It also helps reduce the success of fishes by having this policy in place. And it works at internet scale, which is very key. No more one-off kind of relationships with, with specific ISPs. It really helps deploy these technologies uh, across the board to those who are also deploying it on their end. And so then what recommendations is BITS offering to member institutions about how they should embrace the DMARC initiative? Tracy, our members, which, as you may know, make up BITS. So our recommendations are based upon what our members collectively put forth as best practices. So through our members, we have enthusiastically embraced DMARC from the very beginning. As we mentioned earlier, as a way to tie together the SPF and the DCAM protocols in a complementary fashion. So our members are enthusiastic supporters of DMARC, and we encourage them to adopt it. Now, the document that's just been issued also covers business and process considerations to leverage email protocols and tools, and you've touched on some of that and how everything fits together. Are there any other processes that we haven't talked about that are included here in this document? Well, I mean, I think the document's pretty comprehensive, and we'd certainly encourage uh, those listening to download the document and look through it themselves. I, I think what's very clear at this point is that there's a number of different stakeholders, both externally and internally, to a company when it comes to email. So when a security team who may be tasked with deploying this technology looks at the issue, they realize that they have to go to their partners on their DNS teams, their IT risk and compliance teams, the security operations teams, the marketing department, who are senders of a lot of these emails, the consumer service team, which is perhaps receiving information from customers about emails that they're receiving, and the vendor management component, which are working closely with the third parties who are often tasked with sending some of these email campaigns. So there's a lot of different working parts that need to be brought together in alignment to help deploy these protocols. And then on the policy side, the marketing and business and transactional emails, they need to be segregated out. Domains and subdomains need to have policies applied to them, and that needs to be understood how, how that works within the company. There needs to be consistency in terms of the from field within an email, and that will help with the identity alignment issue that DMARC helps to solve. And then just kind of the, the nuts and bolts of doing domain inventory, so knowing what domains you have control over and making sure those those are covered by your email authentication policies and working with your authorized third-party senders because they also need to be deploying these technologies or else their email may not be delivered appropriately. And then what about partnership services, such as those facilitated through joint efforts coordinated by BITS and the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center? Tracy, uh, we, BITS and the FSI SAC have been working with two trusted email registry partners 
Those are Agari and ReturnPath. They provide a great service for our members to help get the threat intelligence that they need about what's going on in terms of emails that are purported to be sent from our member institutions. These service providers help take in the, the reports from the receiver side and help put it into charts and graphs that are easily consumable by security professionals. They also get other information outside of the DMARC protocol that help really an alternate mechanism for getting some of this information from some of the receivers who have not yet deployed uh, DMARC. It's a great service to help understand what's happening in the email space because while you may be sending emails, you don't always know who's spoofing you unless you're getting those reports back. And we believe the Trust and Email Registry Service is really the only way of getting that sort of information. And then before we close, what final thoughts would you like to leave our audience with and what would you say should be the top email authentication concerns as we move forward into 2013? We continue to work on the deployment side, but in terms of the technology change here, we're seeing trends in mobile where there's just a great uptick in growth there especially on the consumer side. Mobile platforms, they have certain limits to them in terms of processing power, screen size, and that sort of thing. A lot of decisions have been made that remove some of things that you have access to in a typical mail client in terms of being able to see the header of an email and that sort of thing. We need to start to think about other ways of getting information that would help the consumer make the right decision in terms of where this email came from and that it's an authorized email or not. Uh, so in terms of uh, adding the trusted mark to the mobile platforms, in terms of ed educating consumers in terms of what the trusted mark stands for and what it means, there's definitely a campaign that needs to happen in terms of getting consumers to understand what protections they have and when those protections aren't there. I'd like to thank both of you for your time again today. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from John Carlson and Andrew Kennedy of BITS. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.